All right, everybody, and remember that we have one more special contest if you want to go on our special trip. You have to find the Bob Dylan quote in this week's poem. So be on the lookout for that. And wait, wait, Latrevion, Latrevion, don't leave just yet. I want to, can you, can you come to my desk for a second? I just want to have a conversation uh, with you. What do you want, Teach? You know, I, I've been watching you these last couple of days, and I know things are difficult at home. You have to work eight hours a night to feed your 12 siblings because your mom is smoking that dope, playing those games uh, out this, in the street. And th- you, this I, again, teach this again. I just see so you, much potential in you. You know, you think you can come to my school and, and you and, and tell me about my life. Huh? Huh? I, I have to work three jobs and cook that Krizak just to make sure my 12 brothers can eat. Well, I may not know much about that Krizak, but I do know you can be anything that you want to be. Don't let society pin you down, Latravion. You've got potential. Everybody in this school tells me I got potential. You could you could be an astronaut, Latravion. Guess what? I don't see any football players or any astronauts out there on the streets. I'll just leave you with the words of Bob Dylan. No one is free. Even the birds are chained to the sky. Fly free, Latravion. Fly free. What the fuck are you talking about? You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of White People Won't Save You. This is the podcast where we deconstruct the white savior trope in film and then we recontextualize it through a black and POC lens. Today, we have a very, 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 very special guest. To list all of his things going on would take a long time, so I'm going to let the man do it himself, but he is very prolific. Today's guest for this episode is Mr. Rain Coleman. Uh, thank you guys for having me on. I do appreciate it. I've been looking forward to this. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank no, you. No, thank no. you. Oh, of course, man. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, tell, tell, the people, tell the people who you are and what you do. All right. Well, I am Rain Coleman, Carefree Black Nerd. Um, I pretty much run a podcast about representation in comics comic books and related media you get character profiles on characters of color through marvel dc indie comics and whatnot you get some black lightning review you get some insecure review you get some loki you get some everything so um yeah just hit me up if you want got some nerd stuff on your mind you want to <laughs> listen to something or you got an idea here i'm 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 your man <laughs> what's right. what's the what's the review that's going on now because loki just ended so is there something um, you're picking up right now i'm about to check out what if okay. and i said I, I wanted to wait for like one or two episodes to go up on disney plus before i like crafted a show around it because it's the first animated like kind of in continuity mm-hmm. show um so right now is what if and then i also have a generation x um review going back over the first volume from 1994 and I'm right. hitting issue by issue, so yeah. yeah. Well, and what if what if has the last performance? Yes. I think by Chadwick Boseman. Yes, as uh, Black Panther in there. So that's oh wow, I didn't important. Yeah. yeah. Well, tonight Rain 
chose our movie and I, I want to let him tell us what it is, but also give us a little bit about why this is the movie that he wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, so we're doing Dangerous Minds. Grew up watching, like it was just there. We had VHS. I think I may have saw it in the theater. I was too young to have seen it, but I think I still did. Um, Michelle Pfeiffer and Coolio like that like that <laughs> that's exactly why no um it's i had so many that's teachers what else in the <laughs> no exactly that's it um but i had a lot of teachers that were like uh mrs johnson i had a lot like growing up in the um school system i was in a predominantly black neighborhood predominantly black school system i bounced around i went to a predominantly white school system as well sprinkled throughout there but every single space i've been in even in college i've had this some variation of a white savior some variation mm. of a you can be better than your circumstances but like what's um the teacher in uh, everybody hates chris i've i've had someone like that like yeah and so this just felt like home <laughs> yeah it it is a movie that really is what people think about when they think about white savior films like it's one of those movies that people always come back to and cite when they talk about the trope. So I'm glad that we're, like we're this, getting around this, to This is one of the foundational texts <laughs> around yeah. this podcast, honestly. It's so it's so strange that it's this one too. Yeah. Uh, but it does it does fit the like the visual mold like you see. Like I'm looking at the poster even right now and just Michelle just mm -hmm. arms crossed in front of all these dangerous Latino and black <laughs> teens <laughs> all got these minds, man, and they're dangerous. Mm -hmm. And it's it's been parodied to death. Like to death. think um, about any yeah. yeah, think about anything like skit show in the nineties. Think about any even now. I mean, they literally made high school high, right? Like mm. a yeah. movie, yeah. you know, parodying a lot of the parodying, different because there's this and there's also like the substitute. Mm -hmm. which they made writers. four of with like treat williams yeah, yeah 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 and and uh like i mean it's kind of reversed in that situation but 187 with samuel mm. jackson yeah so there's like a there were a lot of these at the time of like black kids from <laughs> down and out neighborhoods broken <laughs> homes yeah. and, just, <laughs> and just wreaking havoc on these teachers who ain't gonna take it no more Right. So this was definitely a trope. And also, uh, I've seen High School High probably more times than I've seen, like, <laughs> and that's truth. You, you know, I can't I can't fault you for that because I do love High School High. It's kind of, yo, the kid with the race cars in his, in his car race, that's impressive. <laughs> I, this is a movie effect. That shit was impressive. Yeah. <laughs> but just so a little background on Dangerous Minds. It was put out. In 1995, a lot of things were happening in 1995. Shout out to White Man's Burden. Uh, <laughs> it was it was a time. Shout out to White Man's Burden. Oh my god! <laughs> Something was in the air. I don't know what 1995 was was doing, but okay. <laughs> um, I'll dip into the a little bit of the background because it is interesting that this movie does come from a bit of a pedigree in that it is released by Jerry Buckheimer and Don Simpson, who have a, have a legendary relationship in terms of the movies that they've produced. But uh, this is the last movie that Don Simpson 
produces before he passes away, but he's behind movies like Flashdance and Beverly Hills Cop and Top Gun. So he was kind of coming in pretty hot, you know, like he had produced a lot of stuff. We all know Jerry Burkheimer and all of the different movies he's done. So this was their production, basically. And then Michelle Pfeiffer also got in on this a little bit to try to like launch herself as a behind the scenes personality in person so Mm -hmm. moving from you know a a on-screen role to try to get some stuff done off screen but it is based on a real person uh there is an actual real um luann johnson who was actually a marine who did teach high school she released an autobiography called my posse don't do homework which was what this whole movie is based on well there's some inconsistencies that that will (laughs) That we'll get into, but <laughs> it's it is uh, just so people know, like this is not entirely made up by some white people. Although this movie is entirely produced and written by white people, so and made up by white people, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's kind of the thing because as a white savior movie, it is literally based on a white woman actually, you know, doing these things. Let's let's jump into the movie because. It also comes after a long line of movies like this, which did lead to the the blowback in terms of a critical reception because mm-hmm. you have Stand and Deliver, you have Lean on Me, you have, mm-hmm. you know, so many other movies that fit this mold that came out almost in succession. So this is kind of the tail end yeah. of that when this kind of movie goes out of style for a little bit because then you come back with Freedom Writers and, you know, a lot of other, there's the... Um, the movie with Ryan Gosling as the basketball coach. And then there's half Nelson, half Nelson Which uh, I on the theaters. And then there's another one kind of similar to that with another group of kids showing their worth uh, to the, to the world, <laughs> but get, just getting into the movie itself. We, we meet Luann Johnson played by Michelle Pfeiffer who was kind of like people were kind of confused why she was in this movie and why she wanted to do this film because she's when you think about you know an ex-marine like i don't know if you think about michelle pfeiffer but she (laughs) she is just you know fresh off of coming out of the marine corps she's going through something with her husband they're separated probably headed toward a divorce she recently got divorced she said she was pregnant and had the abortion yeah so, so she's, she's a sense time right she's coming into this she almost she almost became a teacher but then she threw it all away for her husband who was like i'm gonna work now and you don't have to do that um so we see that before before that i think we should touch on the the intro to the movie though because it is something that a lot of people harp on is like whoa like this was a what an edgy cool intro mm-hmm. and watching it i was like these kids are just going to school <laughs> like, in black and white it's so dumb they literally filmed what well, they filmed a bunch of kids go to school in black and white and thought it was like just like the, the battle of, they thought they made the battle of algiers over here like yeah well because it's are black you and white about? well first of all we need to talk about it's the first of several needle drop moments for Gangster's Paradise in this movie. Yes. Yo. This is the first time they play it. They almost play the whole damn song. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they get close. We, got, we got the bridge in there and everything. Hey. Yes. 
Um, and minute after minute, they're, they're really, hour after hour. <laughs> they're, they're really milking it. But we see these kids and very clearly up front, we, we know this about them. And that's that they're They are. I wish they, this wasn't a podcast and y'all could actually watch the music. It's some bullshit. Go yo. watch the video for Gang Banging by Smokey Robinson. Oh it's, my wait, God. take a pause in the podcast and come on back. It's great. It it's, is, it's a piece of modern art. He made yes. it for us. You know, that was Smokey still, still giving us gems all these years later. If you had told me that the guy <laughs> who literally like almost spearheaded the whole artistic vision for, for Motown besides yeah. Barry Gordy. If you told me that that same man would have made that gangbanging video, no contest, I would have just laughed in your face. I mean, he's got to talk to those people selling that dope, you know? Selling that dope. You know where they are. So. <laughs> mm. But we we see them coming to school. They're being bused to school. So I don't know. They, this movie never talks about busing and why that's a thing. And we never really, unless you know the context of that, I don't yeah, know if that really it means that anything Palo to you. Alto. Yeah. So I guess they're busing the kids through Palo Alto to right. school. From and you the see other side of Palo Alto. Yeah, it's a, it's a rough side of town mm. as shown by a single homeless person mm. <laughs> walking down the street. I, I wish there was a, like a, a train in that scene so they could actually be on the other side of the tracks. Cause... <laughs> I mean, wait on six. That shit well, was hella dumb. Well, and then they get to school, and school's like uh, kind of fine. Like, there's a lot of a lot of white kids at the school, and mm-hmm. the school itself isn't a terrible school aesthetically. Like, no. you would think they were going to prison or some kind of like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like you know, detention center. But it's like it's, it looks like a suburban high school for the most part. Um, but we we get glimpses at some of our our main cast, our main characters coming in. Mm-hmm. we see Michelle Pfeiffer basically gets hired on the spot. They're just like, yo, we need teachers. We don't have any teachers. The last couple of teachers for our, you know, our special program is what they call it. You know, our, our, yeah. Like they quit and they don't tell her why. And she's brought in by her friend who is, we'll talk about him in a little bit. Cause I don't really know what his deal was, but you know, he was basically just like, lying to her but also supporting her is a real strange relationship they have which yeah gets stranger uh halfway through the movie when they try to add more layers to it and i'm just i don't know what's going on but anyways (laughs) he meets her class for the first time and before she walks in the kids are rapping they're hip-hopping you know doing all the stuff they're gangbanging in the classroom yeah you Mm -hmm. know and she Walks in the class immediately. Some girl yells "white bread" at her, and uh... yeah, I, I, oh, okay, Yo. legit. That's the only smile I had on my face. Watching. Yo, yeah, yeah. And she read her from word go, was just like "white bread." Oh, and I was like, "You're right." Mm-hmm. But right, I mean, Rain. That I mean, you, you, you spoke. You know, yeah. just just a little bit before about being in these classrooms in these situations, yeah. like how accurate does this feel to you? This, no, this is terrible. <laughs> like, yeah, there, <laughs> where I'm from, there is a school that was called Schools of Choices, where if you got kicked out of every school in the neighborhood, that's your last chance school. 
that school wasn't like this. It was just like, you know, people who maybe had a baby, had to work hours, maybe were mm-hmm. like problem child, so to speak, and got mm-hmm. kicked out of schools. But like, there were fights, but there were fights at the regular schools. You know, right. this, right. not to say it didn't exist somewhere, but no. And especially at a school that's like mixed and has a lot of white folks in it. This feels, this feels very exaggerated um Mm -hmm. and honestly quite comical because it's like this one pocket of the school where these 40 students are just like forgotten about yeah you know it's like how do you just something it just feels comical is that's well what what is comical is quickly you realize that these are not children because they all look 25 or old like they're immediately 30 plus out of these kids like they're not kids none of them yeah nope. like there's a I dude maybe maybe the main guy's girlfriend seemed like she was like maybe yeah. 17 she could everybody been. else seemed like a full adult yeah there's two i don't know if you peeped either of these two there's two people that i cut every time they cut back to the classroom that i just kept looking at as and questioning why because they're in such prominent positions that that was somebody's decision so there's Mm -hmm. the the kid in the front who i think is like asian Mm -hmm. and he looks like uh yeah yeah steve oeki and like Mm -hmm. is just he's a grown man yeah (laughs) yeah he's just chilling in the front of the class and then there's yo in the back who has like the the white fro and he gets yeah. a couple of lines oh yeah. he is he's a full-grown <laughs> he's 43 i think male adult. yeah <laughs> and I'm just like, so like, why? Vibe, you know you know what they were going for with him he's like the white guy who probably smokes a lot of weed yeah because mm. he was wearing like the beads mm-hmm. and he had like a fro that was kind of like unkempt yeah mm-hmm. you know wearing like a hemp uh, you know, uh, moo moo or something, right? Because it, it's just like maybe for the lead characters, you know, you have to get somebody, you know, trained actors, capable you, actor. yeah. You can't, so we were like, oh, you know, we couldn't find any kids, which is probably bullshit because you probably could find some kids, but like the extras, though, like the extras can just be kids, like it's so. They don't even have to say a whole lot, fam. Like, yeah, they could actually be children, and I would not be able to tell the difference. I'd be yeah. like, okay, great, you mix them in. Yeah. But also, also, can we talk about the the two? I think they're twins, and yeah. they they both look like Five Dog. They do. Yeah, yeah. No, they From really do. Quest, they Bro, were, I thought it was. I thought it was Five Dog. I thought it was Five Dog <laughs> for real. I was like, oh, they just like casted him because you know how movies be doing. It'd be like, yeah. here's a guy that you recognize a little bit. <laughs> Well, all these kids are instantly thrown into these the stereotypical roles. You've got, Bro. you know, the 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 rapper kids. You've got the essays, kind of like, you know. So I don't know if they're in fr- short. In short, actually, we can talk about the the class makeup. Yeah, because the movie there's not a whole lot going on in this movie. We were saying this when we no, before. Yeah. <laughs> not a lot happens. Honestly, it's like Michelle Pfeiffer. It's not working out at the at first, right? Right. It's not working mm-hmm. out. The oh no, she. Like, white bread get up out of here and she goes out in the hallway and she's she's talking to the her other teacher friend who brought her in she calls these kids rejects from hell and she says from hell in the first scene yeah she says i can't teach them like it's the it's literally you just walk to the classroom some kids are getting on you and this is the part that i have a real issue with is Mm -hmm. she's a marine (laughs) 
she, so, she's a Marine. She's supposed to be taking it. She's supposed to be able to, what? A Marine has like tattoos that is literally supposed to be trained to kill you with but, a stare. Yeah. And, and she's in and, and, and five minutes and a kid rapped at her and yeah. another girl called her white bread and she almost broke down. Yeah, she yes. could handle it. It, you can't you can't just say words in a movie and expect me to believe the thing because like, you could have left it Michelle out. Pfeiffer's, right? You could have just she never could have been, been, been a marine. Yeah. yeah, she literally could have been like Alice from down the block who was mm-hmm. in the wrong neighborhood, and that yeah. would have made more sense to me because Alice yeah. ain't got no business being at that school. Yeah, but right. A marine, if a marine can like whoop my ass, yeah. then like me rapping a verse to her that's not really even about her isn't going to scare her. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> fragility of whiteness that's what it was that's the way i looked at it like yeah she had a tantrum yeah. like for you to step out step outside your classroom homeboy say you can you know i'm always here for you and then you like slam his door to get his attention it was a lot his door Fair. i was like what are you what are you doing like this yeah. is not I, this doesn't instill any confidence i don't feel like oh I, i'm rooting for her she, she just got to you know, she got to find another yeah. way. I don't root for you now. I'm rooting for and the kids. And even like you're a white person in the audience. Like, are you even like, oh my God, she's going through it? Or is it like, yeah. she's like, here, a rap person got scared. Like, I mean, they could probably relate, though. They're probably like, damn, those kids are rapping very aggressively. A lot of hand gestures. <laughs> what's going those on? Damn savages. Yeah. <laughs> Just, but that even, even that, like, if I may, when we go to Hal's classroom, and yeah. they're like looking around because all the noise being made. He's like, man, you know how they are. Those people right, are. And right, I'm like, right. you have a class that is predominantly white. The one black kid, when you say that line, is cut off out of frame where I yeah. barely see his hand. Oh, and he's sprinkled in for tokenism. But mm-hmm. the, I just, oh, it was so oh, frustrating. It's maddening. It's maddening. Yeah. So what I wanted to speak to was the makeup of the actual class that Michelle mm-hmm. Pfeiffer teaches throughout the throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. So we don't we're not worried about her fifth period. We're only worried about her first period <laughs> in this whole movie. Because them's the bad kids. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, I shouldn't look at this movie like that. I shouldn't think about this movie like that. She's I mean... not smarter than me. But <laughs> it was just weird that it's like we're only worried about her first period and everybody else mm-hmm. must be fine. Everybody else, like I her guess first period she's is doing just great, yeah. her shreds. Mm-hmm. But the makeup of the class is predominantly uh, Latino, right? Actually, mm-hmm. and that's to uh, well that displays um, the diversity of the Palo Alto neighborhood that she's supposed mm-hmm. to be teaching from. That it's yeah. a segregated neighborhood, mm-hmm. Latinos and black kids, and then there's a couple of white kids peppered in there. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. our Jewish weed smoker in the back, and like, right. there was that pale white girl for no reason. Yeah, right. Like one word. Yeah, she said. She said, "Get off of me, you stupid!" Like she wasn't white, but uh, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, Rain. You can speak to this a little bit too, but you know, when I went to high school, I I went to a county school, you know, here in Maryland. We, we had schools a, in Maryland. Yeah. <laughs> that I am Ronald County. Yeah, we, we we got a good school system. I was in a very mixed school, like just from middle school on. Like mm. I kind of just saw and knew kids from all backgrounds and all cultures. And I know that's not that's definitely not what it's like, you know, for a lot of kids in a lot of places. But the idea of this school, where it's just like, because I'm very curious. Mm like you're saying Cameron it's it's interesting because when you see the school itself right it seems like there are not even just the white classes but it seems like it's probably more or less a mostly white school like obviously these yeah, kids are being bussed in from Palo Alto to here 
and it, then it kind of reminded me of my school experience a little bit. Yeah, because we were the black kids bust into the white school district. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. where I live. But then, if if it's like these kids specifically are brought into this school for, I guess whatever program they're being put in, when you, whenever we cut out right to like the. I guess they're not having recess, but they're having lunch or whatever. Like they're just yeah. hanging outside the yeah. school. Like it looks like yeah. there's more black kids, Latino kids, and they, but they're not these kids. And that's yeah, what kind of threw me off. Kids. So I was like, mm-hmm. like there's the one scene she walks outside and she's like going down to the car, I think. Yeah. And there's like a little black kid in a hoodie that's just staring at her. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, like what's. What's who, the direction? who are the bad kids in this school and are, yeah. are they like literally being peppered in the scenes to yeah. make school look scarier because yes. there's a lot of just weird things where Michelle Pfeiffer will be walking like you're saying either to her car or through the school or you know something mm-hmm. like that and I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to make of this school and mm-hmm. like the makeup never. of the school. Never, never. Because when it, when it needs to be dangerous, they make it look dangerous. But like, every other time, it's just like, oh, it's, it's probably not so bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I'd send my kids there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> another thing we do have to mention just in terms of the music is that Wendy and Lisa do score this film, which is yes. kind of dope. Can we like, talk about it? I was like, Yeah, it's very interesting. Like, it's a weird <laughs> thing that they got Wendy and Lisa, not of all people, but just like if you right. if you were like, who's gonna score this movie? <laughs> Wendy uh, and Lisa from the eighties. It's just kind of like, huh? Okay, yeah, okay, cool. I mean, sure, they do a good job. Like the music that they they mm-hmm. put in is like does match the theme and I all agree. that stuff. They the, do the kind of like, work a, and it's effective. In yeah, they, they do kind of a straight purple rain ripoff at one point <laughs> um basically from there michelle fiver is doing a range of things to try to get these kids to to believe in them like she goes home she reads one book she decides fuck that i'm gonna put a leather jacket on she comes back in the next day and is like who knows karate which what was that okay i was a child in the 90s but there's no fucking way, like, there's no way you're a group of grown, I don't know, were they juniors? I don't know what grade they were yeah, in. You don't but even know what class they're in. I, what is this? But whatever. But like, karate, mm-hmm. a kid in the 80s, even a, let's say, non ghetto stereotypical kid, a regular average Joe and Jane from suburban USA, karate is not your way in. <laughs> Who thought this was? Like, unless this is specifically a school that has a culture of karate, why would that be a thing? She was like, yes, on Ninja Turtles, right? Like, like that came like out recently. Right? Yeah. Says, what are you talking about? Karate? Uh, bro. <laughs> Y'all like, like they were rapping. Right. They were throwing paper planes. <laughs> like, there's so many other things you could have. I would I would have rather her walk in that class and played in the 36 Chambers. Yeah. And I would have respected that more than, like, who knows karate? And I'm gonna watch y'all kick your own asses. Just rap in my the Dex verse from Mystery of Chess Boxing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we because the thing about it is basically you're, you're like, yo, can I start a fight club? 
in my class. Like, you don't want these kids to start throwing hands yes, because right. even if they're just fucking around, somebody's going to get hit. That and then my... it's a whole deal. And now mm-hmm. I don't care if you're a Marine or not. You're probably not breaking that shit up. So she's basically like getting her in. It's like, I'm going to have you fight each other. <laughs> And then I'm going to show yeah. you how to do like a weak ass judo throw. But what was that for? What purpose did it serve that didn't enhance anything? It's but not they like she saw it. some kids getting bullied and we're like, okay, I got it. I, I have this intimate knowledge no. of such and such. Like, that's not, it wasn't she was like, like, I bet they like to fight. There you go. <laughs> yeah, these darkies are like violence. Like, bro, she's terrible. Well, I hate her. So after that, she gets she gets brought to the principal's office and we do meet the esteemed mm. Courtney B. Vance. Come on. Yeah. Uh, part of our black acting school elite. He is. Oh, he, for sure. <laughs> Courtney B. Vance is an all timer. He does this thing that I loved and I don't know whose choice it was, but he gives her that. I'm not even going to raise my voice. Yep. Past this level. The yep. whole time I'm talking whole- shit to you. Yes. <laughs> but I'm gonna do both it. Both scenes he's in. By the way, he's only in the movie for two scenes. It's Basically, yeah. a great job in both scenes, but he's only in the movie for like total of three minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, he literally he's just like, What's the problem? Yeah. These kids need to learn <laughs> verbs and nouns through the work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's just like, I have so little time for you that I'm just gonna give mm-hmm. you I'm going to talk to you like a child mm-hmm. and then you're going to leave my office and go to your job. Like, I don't have time for this bullshit. I got to teach these kids manners. respect. He is respectability politics. The principal, like he's out here trying to get these kids to like pull their pants up and stop the hip hop. And oh, hell yeah. um, this, this principal listens to Bill Cosby jazz records. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh yeah. I can see that. I can um, see but from there, you know, we, get just a series of Michelle Pfeiffer reaching the kids. She's reaching the kids. She's bribing it's, it's them the with candy movie. bars. It's the whole movie, by the way. Um, she's trying to get them to buy in. And I'll, I'll read off the, the kids here real quick because just so we have sure. their names. Um, but we've got Raul. We've got Emilio. We've got Emilio's Callie. Emilio's the main kid. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, Emilio's the main kid. And then there's also Callie, who's the black girl, who's got her own set of troubles. Right. Uh, and then we've got Raul, who's kind of like in the middle, like they they do. Yeah. If if Emilio is like the the number one student with the main storyline, and Callie's kind of like the secondary, the B then, plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then Raul is kind of like the rep. I represent all the other children. In this yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they do uh, dump a lot on Raul, mm-hmm, like kind of yeah. make him like the 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 uh, the avatar for the rest of the class. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like. Because there's that one scene where Callie goes, you know, if you want to get to anybody in the class, you got to get to Emilio first. Mm-hmm. He's the leader. He's the ringleader. So he's like the big dude. He's like the big, you know, the big boss. Yeah. He's got drug dealer problems. He's got my favorite line in the movie, which is, I come from a broken home. Yeah. Which is Just the worst her. piece of screenwriting I've ever yeah. <laughs> Fuck that scene, by the way. I, I was going to play it, and maybe we can if sure. I can give you the audio or something like yeah, that. Yeah. But Jesus. That seems awful. It's basically it the scene where he describes what everyone's problems are and yeah. why she's acting like a white savior. It's mm-hmm. a terrible yeah. way to describe it, and it's a worse scene that plays yeah. out. 
Well, there's 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 only a handful of things I want to touch on because the movie does. If you've never seen the movie, it is everything you think it is. It does everything you think it's going to do. There's no surprises. <laughs> it's very upfront about what it is. You yeah, know what she, true. she's going to come in. She's going to save these kids, and she she does that. Um, and she does that. Yeah, with butterfingers. And, yeah, and the candy paydays. Yep. Yeah, and paydays. So very quickly, I mean, the main scenes of her saving the kids are like scenes where she she teaches them uh, Bob Dylan. Yeah. Bob Which, Dylan poems. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, but that's also what I want to talk about later when we talk about mm. the movie without white people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but she teaches the kids Bob Dylan poetry, which is just that's probably what like got these producers, you know, yeah, masturbating at the idea. Like, well, she and she does it know, as a way to get them. Like, oh man, throw Bob Dylan in that movie. Oh, I'll give her the money. She does it as a way to get them into Dylan Thomas as well. She's kind of like, oh, I'm going to sneak Thomas you, poetry. you know, from from one Dylan to the other. And there's like Dylan. Uh-huh. They make a few Dylan jokes that I don't think any of these kids are going to get. Um, right but she that. she does a series of things. So she's she's trying to do that. She's trying to use Bob Dylan lyrics. I don't know why that would get kids into poetry, specifically oh, these then, kids. I mean, um, read the room. She's trying to get them with candy bars. She tries to get them by bribing them with a trip to the amusement park. Uh, a, trip, a fancy dinner. There's a fancy dinner. Yeah, there's a, there's a fancy dinner involved. Uh, that I, I want to talk about that scene too. But before that, so we get we get this. Well, let's talk about that scene that you were kind of referring to just a minute ago, Cameron, because the uh, it, Emilio. Yeah, they they do a weird thing in this movie, right? Where they try to kind of call out what it is as yeah. a defense of like. Ooh, you know, white lady coming into this mm-hmm. inner city school, and yeah. what are you gonna do? So Emilio literally says to her, "How the fuck are you gonna save me?" And I was yeah. like, "Good question. <laughs> That's a good. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, yeah, I, like, I like where your mind is going." But mm-hmm. yeah, speak on that a little bit, Cameron, because I, I feel like you have thoughts about just that whole exchange. It's, it's kind of disgusting. So Emilio ends up in detention for fighting Raúl. Uh, it's it's wacky. They just get yeah. into a whack fight, and then he's got to go to detention. And because she cares, mm-hmm. which is also a thing they say like five, six times in this movie, she cares. She, cares. she does. She walks into detention and she's like, hey, Emilio, I'm going to sit you down. Let's talk. And Emilio's like, how the fuck are you going to save me, white lady? Yeah. How are you going to do that? And she says, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. She's like, hey, let me, let me paint it clear for you, okay? <laughs> I come from a broken home. My parents are poor i am a lost cause we're all lost causes michelle Pfeiffer. can't save them can't, <laughs> can't save, save these kids hey, can't save them won't save them if, if you will don't want to be saved so they have it out they have the argument and michelle just basically ends the conversation by saying but i i care yeah. Who cares? The argument going back and forth is I'm broken. And Michelle responds with I care. She cares. Doesn't she cares. So a great much. Beyonce song, but not helpful here. <laughs> Say that. <'Cause> she's, <laughs> oh. I, I I hated this character. I hated it. You never offered please, any please real solution. Go in on Emilio. There are, on Emilio oh, and him trash. first of all, he's older than Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, I'm like, it's why so is weird. he in school? What? Mm. They have seen so many scenes together, and it's like they want to fuck or. That's like, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. And the movie yeah. doesn't try to go grooming on the, on you. It doesn't do yeah. that. 
but <laughs> every scene him. they have together has like this awkward sexual tension. Yeah, especially when his girlfriend gives him away to her to hide out. Good God, like, that seems weird. like, are we? Are you, do you know they're gonna fuck? Right? Like they are. Like that was weird. So I, there's another scene in the movie for the people who haven't seen the movie. There's another scene where Emilio needs to be off the streets because a crackhead just got out of jail. And he's got his sights set on Emilio. It's so such a he's back in school. Life. He's he's like another kid he's at the in school. school. <laughs> he's in school. They're in school, literally on the playground figuring this out. And Michelle gets worried that there's a crackhead out the girlfriend. Yeah, Emilio's bro. girlfriend says there's a crackhead straight out of jail, which is like white person mm. 101. I wrote yeah. a screenplay about black youth. Yep. Uh there's a crackhead loose and he's trying to kill Emilio and we need to put him up at a safe house and Emilio's like no I'm I'm too strong for that I'm gonna fight my way out and the girlfriend is like no you need to go and you need to be uh you need to be housed somewhere and Michelle's like mm-hmm. come to my house I will save you come to my house I will I am the white person who will save you here yeah and basically the girlfriend says like yeah go to her house yeah <laughs> And no. Spend the night, Emilio. No. Yeah, stay with this woman that you're clearly like home. got some weird yeah, yeah. tension going well, on. You flirted with twice. Yeah. You've like he like the second the first time she comes up in the classroom, he is literally in her face. Like, oh yeah, what does he? No, no, no. What does he say? He, he says, says something um, really sexual and weird. Mm, he says, harassment. Yeah. No, he says, I- "I'll eat you." Right. Something, yeah, something like that, yeah. Like, you're just like, no, I, I, eat you I, bear I, or I can't eat that. Yeah, I, I can't eat that, but I'll eat you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and everybody's like, Woo. Just, even what? his girlfriend, like, what are you? Yeah, what is like, this? Also like, this, come on, mm, um, continuity. Yeah, I, well, here's the thing. After right, she does that. Does house him for the night. She does house him for the night. Like after after the fight between Raul and Emilio. She does. She goes to Raul's house. She goes to Amelia's house. She's doing a lot of weird stuff. But she does give this speech, which is, I think, the white savior speech of the movie, where she basically <laughs> comes into the classroom and the kids are like, they're mad at her because she they feel like she snitched on Emilio and got him suspended and all that stuff. One of them says just... snitches get stitches. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so she goes off on them and she's like everybody's got a choice you all have choices they're like we ain't got no choices and she's like well you know you chose to come to school today there's people in your neighborhood who didn't make that choice there's people in your neighborhood who choose to fight and be in Mm. gangs and sell drugs and do all this other stuff and there's no victims in my classroom is basically how she wraps that up (laughs) um and i've got i've got this is i mean this i've had this job but i haven't played it yet you're so white right because it's just like you don't understand what's happening (laughs) at all you're giving these kids this this rah-rah you know get get some autonomy speech but it's just Mm -hmm. like do you you do you, you know everything else that's going on around these kids right like we talk about this a lot in terms of these movies that kind of dictate dignity and respect to mm-hmm. black people yeah. yeah that's like that's nice when you have autonomy right to do those mm-hmm. things but when you're in situations where that's not really a choice yep. like you just you do just that out what there. you it's do like, right like you gotta mm-hmm. what they're just surviving right yep um they're literally just living but that, yeah, that speech, that's, I was already off this movie, but when she did that, I was just like, all right, like, that's, that was definitely for the white people out there to for feel sure. better about her, you know, 
reaching the kids. He's not going to give up on them. And, um, and honestly, this movie doesn't have much else to offer, like no scene wise. I mean, we should probably get into Callie's story because it's also it's offensive. A, yeah, very. It's incredibly offensive. Half a the one. So Callie is the smart, bright black girl in the class. Yeah, who doesn't like let on. Dark, mm-hmm. dark skin too. Dark skin black girl. Yeah. <laughs> dark skin black girl who is bright, you know, knows a lot of stuff or at least willing to learn, interested yeah. to learn. And we find that Callie is pregnant. Callie's mm-hmm. pregnant and she's keeping the baby and she might have to leave school. She has to leave school because they can't have pregnant girls in school. She's got to go to a special school that teaches everybody. her how to be a mom. She's so got to yeah, go to the mom school. school. Been, she's going to go to mom school and Michelle Pfeiffer literally she like slams the door when she finds out that she's like no yeah Callie doesn't deserve that yeah she's better than that she goes to her house she goes to Callie's house her mom played by Lorraine Toussaint who has played every distressed black mother yeah, like she in film. <laughs> mm-hmm. she's literally played every distressed black mom and she's That's great cool. at it she's great at it but we gotta, we gotta, we gotta do better by her, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and she's so young in this movie too. It was yeah. Crazy Very. To see, like a young Lorraine Toussaint. Mm-hmm. Well, and the and the actress who plays Callie, like they did a good job in terms of like everybody in that they, family looks alike. Like it is a beautiful yeah. cast. Even the little girl. The little girl yeah. is actually the girl from uh, the daughter from Bernie Mac show. Oh and, really? And she was also no. When I saw her, I was like, "That's the girl from Ghost yeah. Dog." I was like, "Oh, and, there and she oh, is." The from Ghost Dog. Okay, yeah. yeah. Shout out like her, her little career that she had for five minutes. <laughs> she, she was going like Jim yeah. Dramish and Bernie Mac. Like, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a come up as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but this movie is an X. Uh, <laughs> uh, so she goes to Callie's house. She finds out that Callie is pregnant. She's going to go to this mom school. She's like, "Well, you have you have such promise. You shouldn't relegate yourself to this. You're smarter than this." She's like, that's fine. I just want to know, know how to take care of the baby. Yeah. That's all I want, white lady. I think I'm making the right choice here. She's like, you're wrong, though. Right. You're wrong, white lady. You can't oh, no. save me. Michelle Pfeiffer's mm-hmm. like, you're right, wrong. Right. You're making the wrong decision. Like, mm-hmm. fuck well, your child. Like, outright say you're wrong. She's, she's definitely she like, like hmm, and ha. And like, she comes, back to, she comes back to school the next day and she's sad. She's sad that yeah. like, she lost Callie, basically. Right. But it's movie. but it's like the thing that confused me so much was like one, can she not do both? Can't she go to mom school and then come back and pass she's like Dang. a junior, right? Like her but life's not she's over. She's a sophomore. Then, here's, the big, here's the big third act twist of this movie. Callie ain't gotta go to that school. It's actually not even on the books that she ain't gotta go to that school. Yeah, and she's like she I mean, comes I, back to school. Well, she which, comes back to school, which is it's crazy because <laughs> So before we get to that, right, I guess we should get to the to the very end. Um, the, well, there is there is not a real, much going on. There's yeah. not much going on. In the <laughs> There's a very fan, strange right? subplot with her and Raul. She takes Raul to dinner alone. He because, takes Raul to dinner. As a result, no, she, he, won a, he won a contest in the class. Yeah, there's two other kids. Callie won, and uh, one of the other kids, one of the, t- one of the twins, the one that, uh, no, the, won. The dude that looked like Five Dog. Yeah, that guy. They both can't go he also for different don't come back to school. Reasons. For other reasons. We're going to talk about that Which, too because oh, I really want to get into that. That scene is wild. Actually, that scene is wild. Actually, we should talk about that right now, real quick. But so yeah, Raul Raul has a lot of weird stuff where she goes. He's she's like 
she unloads on Raul constantly. Mm-hmm. And he's just kind of like, yeah. okay, but this is such a weird scene because basically what happens is she takes Raul to dinner at this very fancy restaurant that she never mm-hmm. asked him if this is a place that you want to go. She I brings mean, him in there. She nope. makes him talk to the waiter. He gets As more and more. doesn't f- like to talk to waiters, I do want to say that that scene like hit me a little bit. I don't fucking mm-hmm. like talking to like waiters or getting yeah. the light back. She was like, "You have to, you have to learn how to talk to these people, basically." But why? Uh, I don't know. I, uh, <laughs> I see what she's trying to do. I'm not apologizing for her, but I do see what she's trying to do. I got what, yeah. To, you know, you you got to talk to people in your later life. You know, at post college, you got to like right talk to white people. You got to talk to like <laughs> right. people in positions. You know, yeah. you got to know how to talk to people in public. You know, you can't just be like, "Hey, yo, give me a cheeseburger, bro," at like any yeah, restaurant you go right. to. You know. But the fucked up thing about this scene is that it's revealed. I don't know who wrote. Well, I know who wrote this. We're going to talk about that, too. But he, yeah. he got bought, the jacket on loan. He, he bought the jacket from somebody who he's pretty sure from stole a, the from jacket. A drug dealer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he paid him 200. Like he owes him two hundred dollars. He got the jacket on loan. And I'm like, time so he out. owes the jacket guy money. First of all, we went to your house, Raul. Your yep. dad don't have any jacket like none nobody in your family owns something that's passable at a fancy restaurant like you can't just get a blazer or even what you were wearing underneath (laughs) seemed fine fine. you've got all the other clothes but you put on green collar shirt underneath he's doing good yeah Yeah. but then you have a leather jacket which is just like a bomber jacket it was too big it was yeah it was very straight but the whole subplot is supposed to be Oh, you know, these kids, look how dangerous their lives are. Even, you know, no. the act of yeah. coming to a fancy restaurant is a life it's or death proposition because they have to borrow clothes from drug dealers who are going to kill them later because they owe them $200. Hey, Jordan, Rain, when have you ever borrowed a jacket from a drug dealer? When did that Always. Always. <laughs> Always. I, talked oh, it. I just fault, last week, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, they yeah, got, that's they that's got... normal. They got the fly drip, you know, and they're willing to they loan do it out. The drip, right. And they do, and, yeah, and they cost, say that. Mm-hmm, you know, they got a whole whole business set up. It's like so Renaissance. This movie was right. Never mind. Know. My fault. My, this movie was right. This was yeah, terrible. Yeah, no, that that whole thing. I was just like, clearly they were like, Raul needs something to do, and he needs a problem. But it was just like, he's gonna die because a drug dealer wants jacket money, and then Michelle Pfeiffer is like, I'll give you the two hundred dollars. I'm. I'm not a good screenwriter. I'm not great, at least. I'm pretty decent, but like, I've farted better pages than this. Like, this is bad. She, yeah. she promises. The comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, she promises to give him the two hundred dollars, and he can. He she allows him to pay her back once he graduates. That's the Which, the, girl, the crux. It's like you have on. to graduate, and then you can pay me two hundred dollars. And I was like, all right. Uh, the second thing. Go ahead, right? <laughs> no, because he's such a man of his word. He's a teenager. Like, yeah. What do you mean? And then this is like the second situation where he's gotten himself into some shit. Yeah. Behind like a dead old. Oh, oh, he just have another line earlier when he gets into a fight with Emilio. She's like, "Why did you do that?" And she was like, "I didn't have a choice. I got to if I want to keep my head up in these streets. I had to fight." <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? You, bro? There's a lot of that in this movie. But I do want to talk about before we get to the very end with Emilio's story. She goes to randomly like the the twins are not in school. We kind of lose track of them at a certain point. Mm -hmm. And then she randomly decides to go to their house to get to the bottom of this. 
And I don't know who this black woman is. That they I don't, I've never seen her before in a movie. But I, what's weird is I've never seen her before in a movie, but I feel like I've seen her at least 12 times. You know what I mean? She looks very like, familiar, yeah. She looks very familiar. I, very I feel like I've seen her in real life. Like, <laughs> that too. <laughs> that too. She went down the block. She went down the block. She's the one that gave him the jacket. That's the drug dealer. <laughs> yeah. She's so, the drug dealer that all was. Oh off, my god! Off rip, she's got the face of just like this bitch. Better not be stepping up into my house. Why is she here? Even they, on my front lawn. Get off my front lawn, my Yo, the twins yeah. come out and they're like, "Oh, you know, like Miss Johnson, what's up? What's up?" And immediately she like, almost, I'm surprised she didn't come out there with a switch, or like at a house coat, or like because she had that energy. Yeah, you know? she definitely had big, big grab me a switch energy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and she basically tells Michelle Pfeiffer off. She's like, you better not come around here trying to educate my children. You know, they got other things that. to do. They got responsibilities. That. That's the words that come out of her mouth. Yeah, they don't need your education. They don't need to, to read books. They got to work and do jobs. Yes, well, I, I agree. They don't need to read. They got bigger yep. problems. That's yeah. the quote. And now I'm starting to agree with you, Ray. I bet she is the drug dealer. She got those kids on the corner. Yeah. And that's working. what the first thing came to mind. That's, <laughs> like, what, what else? Like, they're children. They could work at a grocery store or fast food. No, they could work like, for me. Damn, yeah. this weight. There we go. <laughs> this is. Granny got, Granny got Bill. Look, like, <sighs> everybody's gangbanging. Even granny, even granny, even granny, gotta cut that weight, yo. Granny what goodness, black grandma, none ever in her life came out her mouth and said, My kids don't need to read. None, <laughs> right? Like, it felt so weird. Like, I couldn't even make it work in my brain. Yeah, the scene. She- she was so aggressive. Like she Very. was so aggressive. She Very. really like steps up as soon as they get away. She steps up on her and she's like, "Hey, Michelle Pfeiffer, get the fuck mm-hmm. off my lawn." <laughs> she and, did. And, and how dare you say that my kids want to read? Yeah, eat to read. Yeah, yeah I will you kill you. White ass off my, <laughs> right. my with that, that was pretty much it. That's what she said. So crazy, and I'm like, not even, not even that. Get off my lawn. I get that. Yeah. That's like go away from me. Yeah, yeah. But the whole. My children, I don't want good for my children. I took them no. out of school. What on purpose? I took them, you out, know. I you, took them out of what? school. Like, what is even your reasoning? How is the it's law even? Like, <laughs> it's almost like white man's burden. Honestly, it's like the same nonsense from white man's burden, where it's like the race rolls a switch. Why? Yeah, it's you don't it's one answer of the, any of those questions because I was expecting her learning. You didn't right. ask, You didn't answer that mm-hmm. question. True. I was expecting her to say something along the lines of, I took them out of your school and moved them into another school. Yes. Because, you know, whatever, because it's closer, because, yeah. you know, X, Y, Z. But she was like, nah, I just don't want them to read. And if you want to <laughs> read, you can read my autobiography called Get These Hands, Bitch. <laughs> she was just like, <laughs> that's the energy she had. No, it was. It was. It's wild aggressive, yo. It's wild aggressive. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah, yeah this, I do hate uh, it, too. Pointless, pointless. We didn't need this. We did not need this. If you took (laughs) all of that out of this, this that scene away, the movie would have played the same. Yeah, like nothing would have changed. You're you're a hundred percent right. You're a hundred percent right. The movie does not need that scene because the same energy is Mm kind of carried out with when she goes to Callie's house. And why not just let that be that? Like let it be. Let it live. (sighs) So. 
yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer is is out here trying to save these kids in, in multiple ways. Emilio stays at Michelle Pfeiffer's house. Mm-hmm. And then the next morning she wakes up and she's, I guess, going to make breakfast or something. And then, but Emilio has left. He's run off. <laughs> like, uh, he's he's not home. She's looking around for him. The, the night before she told him, go to the principal's office, tell him that this kid is on crack and then they have to take him out of school. <laughs> so she runs to the principal's office. She runs to Courtney. He's just like, you again, why are you here? She's like, did you see Emilio this morning? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, thank God. What did you do? Like you, you handled the situation. He was like, nah, he ain't knock on my door. So I told him to beat it. And she's like, what did you do? So of course, Emilio got shot up in the street, is dead. All all the kids are sad. Yeah, he just he got he got taken out. But my favorite part about this, though, is I love this is this made me love Rose so much more. So she is in the classroom. She's real sad. You know, one of the kids are like, because she's she's basically like, I'm going to quit now. Like, I'm not going to be a teacher anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not coming back next year. And then one of the kids is like, are you sad about Emilio? And she's like, yeah, you know, that and some other stuff. And Rose is basically like, so what? Hold up. You 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 see real sad about Callie and mm-hmm. Emilio and not the rest of us. So we don't matter. <laughs> yep. And she's got to backtrack and she's like, oh, wait, no, I didn't mean it like that. I mean, y'all mm-hmm. are cool, too. Right. Um, yep. But then the next day she comes in and like Callie's back. She's decided that she doesn't want to go to mom school on the 29th day. She had yeah, one more day. Very on last day. Mm-hmm. The kids Gross. are like, you're our tambourine man. Ms. No, <laughs> and, which and I the thought movie closes that they all sing Mr. Tambourine Man. Yeah, they're all they're all they love her too much to let her go. She's changed their lives irrevocably. She's got to stick around. And then, yeah, she kind of walks down the hall with her other teacher friend. I don't know. They played Gangster's Paradise at least two more times in the interim from start to finish. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then they play it at, during the end credits because yeah. they get their money's worth. They got Coolio got to get those checks. Um, hey, Coolio got paid off the Coolio, Coolio got paid for This is a Coolio paid. video. That's yeah. a, it's a prequel to his it video. Really That's what it is. Yeah. That was Dangerous Minds. That's the movie. It had a budget of $23 million. It made $179.5 million. Uh, so it's a success. It was a Very huge, much so. It was a huge hit in 1995. People loved it. People were talking about it critically, not very well received. If you go on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a 29%. If you go, that's a stinker. Yeah. If you go and check it out on IMDb, I think it's got like a 6.5, which is, you know, not a 6.5 bad. is actually respectable on IMDb. Yeah. You know, and if you go on Amazon, it's got five stars. People From love white people. They love this. Yeah, these users are wild, yo. I don't trust the users, man. Uh, and that leads us to our to our newest drop. And a lot of white folk have demonstrated eloquently that they don't have no sense. Yo, because <laughs> no, when, when the man when the man is right, he's right. You know, hey. uh, <laughs> it it's, damn. It, it's the kind of movie that is designed to make white people and specifically if we're getting specific with it, liberal white people feel good about yep. being able to not only go into these situations and affect change in these kids' lives, but also that something is happening 
in the world, right? Like there's bad things out there and it's not your fault, but Mm -hmm. you can really go out here and change it because these kids aren't bad. They just need a white person to come in here and show them the way to read Bob Dylan Mm -hmm. to them, uh, to teach them (laughs) what right and wrong is and, and, and basically instill some dignity and respect for themselves uh and they can do anything they can really yeah it's it's like the region rainbow you know it's in the book you'll be you'll be flying high after you get some of this dylan thomas poetry yeah (laughs) um critically they hated this movie it's got terrible reviews rightfully so so. across the board yeah i want to find this review from roger ebert because it is it is great like he's got my boy roger yeah he's got a real i didn't pay no shit he mm-hmm. didn't take like I, I i respect him more and more as i go through these and see his reviews for these films because he's really not about it and i respect that but when you see how many other people are about it you're mm-hmm. kind of like damn <laughs> y'all y'all really thirsty for these movies. I mean, those Green Book reviews were crazy. Good um, Lord. <laughs> but <laughs> um, so Roger Ebert says, we have seen this basic story before in Standard Deliver, Lean on Me, Teachers, Dead Poets Society, and so on. This version is less than compelling. Pfeiffer, who is a good actress, does with this material what she can. Uh, but the real Miss Johnson did not use Dylan, but the lyrics are rap songs to get the class interested in poetry. What's happened in the book to movie transition of Lewin Johnson's book is revealing. The movie pretends to show poor black kids being bribed into literacy by Dylan and candy bars, but actually it's the crossover white audience that is being bribed with mind candy in the form of safe words by the two Dylans. What are the chances this movie could have been made with Michelle Pfeiffer hooking the kids on the lyrics of Ice Cube and Soup Dog? Which I think is a very well-read assessment yes. of what this is because he very <laughs> rightly calls out the idea of even Bob Dylan being inserted into this, like this movie, mm-hmm. as edgy as it wants to be, as edgy as it tries to be, it's still a very safe film made to make white people feel safe, made to mm-hmm. make them feel like, oh, yes, you know, if I was a white person in that situation, I would be Michelle Pfeiffer. I would be mm-hmm. out here helping these kids, saving these kids, teaching what? them, you know, all this stuff, introducing them to the cultures of the world, like Bob Dylan, that the they <laughs> need the- to know about. Um, <laughs> the whiteness. Yeah. I was... <laughs> Go for it. I Speak was on it. so pissed because everything you said, that's what I was thinking the whole movie. You walk in and these people are beatboxing, they're breakdancing, they're listening to rap, they have very ethnic hairstyles that you are not used to, and yet you go for <laughs> Bob Dylan. There's so many black and ooh, um, it, it would always take me down. Hispanic and Latino always takes yeah. me down. I'm not even yeah. going <laughs> to... But you have brown poets you know what i'm saying like there's so many things that you could have like to make that choice to change the mcguffin that gets things brown and black folks ready to learn is not even of their culture like what bob dylan it's 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 kind of wild it's kind of wild because i actually thought that myself i was like well just teach the kids like what rappers or or equate it to rap yes rap is poetry that's exactly what it is and you know that i'm sure you do and they well, listen to it. Yeah. And they like, listen to it. So, like, investigate that. And it's it's crazy that this review reveals that that's the truth of the matter. That, yeah. That's well, so disgusting that they changed it. Yeah. Well, there's a, so there's a lot of things, right? When you look at how 
this movie changed from Luann Johnson's original book, you know, my homies don't do homework. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My, my posse, my posse yeah. don't do homework. Not homies, her posse. They don't. They don't oh, do the homework. But how how many things change? Because you there's um, this article, I believe it is by Slate. Uh, it's on Slate.com, and it's you know a, a 20 year retrospective of Dangerous Minds and talks about you know dangerous minds in relation to a lot of these other movies like to serve with love and stand and deliver and lean on me and gets into how <laughs> many different things change right so you they they talk to Luann Johnson about what it was being a teacher in here and she is very confused because she gets to come on set for a day and she's just looking at how things are being done. And she's just like, I, that's not even close to what I did uh, and how I was working. So she stayed at home, girl. Yeah, yeah, the real the real Luann Johnson did not do Bob Dylan. She did do just the rap of the day, Tupac, Biggie, mm-hmm. you know, different rappers to try to relate to these kids and kind of like you're saying, here's poetry. It's poetry, maybe not in, in the traditional way that a school might think about, but right. it is poetry. Mm-hmm that you can relate to. Um, she recalls specifically bringing in the lyrics to Public Enemies 911 as a joke mm. uh, and having those kids like go through that and then have them bring in their own, you know, rap music or just other songs. And so some kids brought in some heavy metal songs and some jazz mm-hmm. songs and some country songs and they cool. broke that down. Um, you know, she didn't <laughs> do the bribing with the candy or the field trips to the amusement parks um she never had problems with any of the parents that was the scene that she says offended her the most with mm. the black grandma you know giving it to her yeah in, i wonder why in so, defense i wonder right? why because <laughs> it's fucking fake well in in defense right the creators of the movie the director and the screenwriter did say that they needed that right like they needed that moment because they felt like it would be inauthentic for this white woman to just come into the school and be universally accepted by teachers and parents and kids like and it is just kind of like so we hate white people is what i guess you're trying to get at like we would automatically be defensive around white people but they do that right and it's like Mm. but you never get to the why you never speak on the why you just say, well, of course they would hate them because, because, right? Like that's mm-hmm. what they do. She's white. That's it. Right. So um, white bread. White bread. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that would have stuck. White bread. More. Um, so in real life, Emilio uh, is now I think a retired Marine with four kids who's living his oh, life. Oh my whole god, Emilio didn't even die. No, he's not dead. Um, Why would you? He's fine. Uh, <laughs> Sadly, in an ironic twist, That's though, the fucking... actor who did play Emilio did pass away three years after this movie from oh, like, no, oh, no. like a, a pulmonary situation. But there, there is just a lot of those kinds of changes where the writers of this movie and the directors of this movie, and we'll get into that briefly here because this movie is written by... Ronald um, Bass, I think Ronald, Ronald Bass, who let me let me list the movies that he's written because it is quite a list of films, right? So he worked on Rain oh, Man. Ooh. 
he did a crazy list yeah he did the joy luck club Mm. uh he did when a man loves a woman he did waiting to exhale right he wrote the script for waiting to exhale he did how stella got her groove back what okay uh, what? he did. Is Ronald Bass a black man? Is he black he or white? He is not. He is a white man. Uh, oh my god, who is out here writing these black films or black adjacent films? Mm. Um, and it's very wild because he he did a lot of stuff like that. Like a lot of those changes he's were a, his. Um, he's a Hollywood screenwriter. He's like out here killing oh, for sure. Like the late nineties, he's murdering it. Yeah, he he added like some said, changes. Waiting next hail, dangerous mm-hmm. minds. How Stella got a group back. A favorite yeah. mind. What dreams may come. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's a it's kind of a whack movie if you look at it now, but at the time I thought it was like yeah, you know. Well, uh, so entrapment. Yeah, he's he's out here. He's out here. He knows. He's better. out here. He, knows he, he attests that they changed the movie a lot from his script to final product, but he does cop to making some changes himself. You know, in terms of like from book to, to screenplay mm-hmm. so it's not that i don't believe him but there is also just a slight controversy on his part about him having like a group of assistants who kind of just come in and will do some ghost writing for him mm. he's he he claims that the assistants help him do the research and then he you know will jump in on top of that research and write the script but um, who can say right i don't know and I, who could say if any of those people are black but um, uh, yes so there's a lot there's a lot of changes in this movie from what luann johnson's book was to what ultimately ends up on screen and it's very strange because those changes well it's not strange actually it's very typical because those changes are made for white people to feel safer about what's happening you know they don't want to they don't want kids reading 911 as a joke you know in a movie and uh feeling like they're learning something so (laughs) 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 but i did want to talk briefly before we transition into just the, the revision of this movie because i think for me what is what makes this movie kind of the ultimate white savior movie in a lot of cases is one, when you think about teachers and teaching and and teaching in these inner city neighborhoods and all this stuff, these tropes where you get these movies about reaching the kids, saving the kids, et cetera, et cetera. Right. One, we never really get that movie from their perspective. It's always from the heroic teacher coming in to save these kids. Um, But also the idea that, all it takes is just like a, a great teacher who's going to come in here and really reach these kids in their minds. And while that is a great ideal and isn't wrong in the sense that teachers change lives, there's a mm-hmm. lot of people who will attest to having a teacher, having somebody who believes in you, having somebody who's willing to push you to, to achieve and do better. Like you need that in your life specifically when you're a young person, specifically if you don't have a lot of that, you know, just in your, your own home or personal circle. Right. Mm-hmm. But what they leave out in this movie in particular, because this movie oddly does like the utmost <laughs> tap dancing around race, the <laughs> utmost tap dancing around like societal issues and why things are the way yep. they are they never talk about busing and where that program came from and just the racist implications of that. They never talk about 
just the general idea of what would lead to these kids having these issues. It's not because they're from a broken home, like mm-hmm. Emilio states, mm-hmm. but I'm broken. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes you got kids who they live in a food desert, right? Mm-hmm. And so like they come to school, yeah. they haven't eaten. What they get at school is probably what they're going to eat for the day. You know, and they they have issues just in terms of getting a steady meal. You have kids who not because their parents are, you know, absent or anything like that, but their their parents just have to work to support their family. So they're working two, three jobs, maybe, or or they're working during the day. That's why you have a lot of like intragenerational families where you've got grandma at home or you've got, you know, auntie or other people who are coming in. It takes a village, Mm. right? And it's so so strange because you see this story like every night on like Dateline. You see this story every night on the local news and how come we can watch it on the local news, but when it's in a movie, it's, it, it yeah. can't exist this way. It can't exist yeah. the real way. It's no. got to be punched up and yeah. manipulated. Well, and there's a streak of, throughout these movies, exceptionalism as well, right? Because mm-hmm. these kids wouldn't deserve to be saved if they weren't. Unless... Yeah, if they had yes. something to contribute, if they mm-hmm. weren't bright like Callie is, mm-hmm. if the, if she didn't see something the in them, part. yeah, That's the grossest part, yeah, for sure. You know, because she does. I know it's a movie, so she can't dote on every individual kid in the classroom, but it does really feel sure. like she's she cares about Callie and Emilio, and then the rest yeah. of y'all are here. Uh, <laughs> so thanks for coming to school um but like it's never really you never really get the sense that this is like i care wholesale for you right and so right. you get these situations where like we have to show that these kids know like really if you just gave them a chance they could do anything they could be anything and it's like but what if they were just regular like they don't yeah, deserve they were, yeah regular or, fucking kids or even more so, what if they were badass kids? Like they also don't deserve chances. Yeah, are they and... not worth saving because they're bad kids? Actually, and I don't want to harp on this other movie too much, but High School High actually gets at that a little bit <laughs> because it, in that movie it's the joke. Yeah, in that movie it's the joke that they're bad and they're not going to change because they're in a bad neighborhood and right. that's like their life, right? But like after everything happens in that movie, they're not changed. They're not different. Yeah. But they have been helped. They have like, you know, uh, they have internally changed, but yeah. their surroundings haven't changed. And right, that doesn't right, make them right. any different. And I think that that, even though it's a comedy and a parody, I mean, a satire yep. of like this whole situation, it actually mm-hmm. gets at the issue. It gets at the respectability bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gets right to it. Bumping off of that too, the other thought that I had is a lot of these movies are also, again, you gotta you can do anything you want you can you can be anyone you want right mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. they 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 never touch on what mom and dad are teaching you at home which is also you have to be twice as good as these white yep. people so like you can be anything you want if you're twice as good <laughs> as mm-hmm. you know you just gotta be really good at it yeah yep. you gotta be like exceptional <laughs> like the cream of the crop right but then also this line of thinking is not it's helping these kids, but it's not because it is that duality of, yes, I should believe in myself. I should have this internal belief that I am worth something and I'm great and mm-hmm. you know I can do anything that I want to do. But it belies the reality of, but these white people out here 
are going to make it easy on me, right? Like there's going to be a lot of shit <laughs> that, you know, if 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 my name is Brooklyn as one of the like one of the actors, I think the actor that is that does play Callie, her name is Brooklyn, but it's spelled mm, B-R-U-K-L-I-N. Mm, like yeah. If you see that on a resume, Brooklyn yep. is not getting a callback for an interview, no matter how good her grades are, what mm-hmm, Ivy right. League school no she went to. No matter what her situation is. Yeah, because yeah. they're going to see Brooklyn. Yep. And they're going to be like, nah, that seems like a difficult thing to deal with. We don't want that here at IBM or wherever we are. Right. Mm. So, <laughs> you know, like that's a situation where it's like, yeah, I guess I know Bob Dylan songs now but like that's not really gonna help me when i'm in these situations that i wish the just... character would have said that mm-hmm. <laughs> i wish but the it... character would be like uh, i, I love i love you miss luan but at the same time bob dylan ain't gonna give me a fucking job so yeah yeah like should I, when i when i when i apply for a home loan and the realtor comes to appraise my house should i quote tambourine man at him is that gonna get me an extra yeah, yeah. that'll do it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but not even that, like Bob Dylan didn't um, prevent Callie from being shipped off to the mother school. Right. You know, like the very fact right. that these systems are already in place working mm-hmm. against you. Yeah. And we only yep. discover that because this white woman yelled about it. You know, yep. we, we yep. find out that this school is even in the high school level before you're out in the real world. We've already written you off they've and we already, found ways to get you out of here. You yeah. that, that isn't even rules there's suggest yeah. there's preferences for the school so like yeah. is the school bad or good like why would mm-hmm. it but but yeah yeah well i say it i say it all the time right like when you think about these kids uh that are out here right like gang banging man would they do that <laughs> if they had a, a choice right and what i mean by a choice is like given an all things fair, all things equal kind of world. They could go to school. They could learn how to code. They could learn how to make movies. They could learn how to do music engineering. Mm-hmm. Would they still be on the streets if that was something that was available to them, right? Because you mm-hmm. think about the schools that they go to. Why are their schools the way they are? Well, because you redline their neighborhoods. You yep. redline their neighborhoods. They don't have funding for their schools. They don't have funding for their schools. You have an excuse to close their schools. Now they have to get bus to these different schools two hours, et cetera, outside of their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like there's all these systemic things that are coming down on them. They're kids. They don't really have any way to fight back against any of this. Mm-hmm. It just is what it is for them. But so, they're also aware of like what's happening to them. They're right. aware of like why they're being bust or why, you know, they're in classes that they are. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so these kids aren't dumb. Yeah. To all. have her come in and just be like, <clears throat> But if you really tried, right? Like if you really just gave your all and Bro. maybe maybe all you need is a, you know, butterfinger and that's going to get you to do your work or something of that nature. It's just like so so we 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 we've outlined exactly what's wrong with things here, mm-hmm. right? We've yeah. outlined what's wrong with things. Let's talk about how we can make things right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I th- reimagine this movie without the Michelle Pfeiffer's and the yeah. whatever the other guy's name was. Uh, I'm going to throw it to yeah, Ray first because I, I, I'm looking at you and I know you got thoughts. Uh, uh, plenty. Well, one, you could have <laughs> at the very least stuck to the damn book. Like right. stick it to the book to me. It probably would have still been White Savior, but it would have made a hell of a lot more sense. Um, the movie itself, all of this personal history, like with her 
should have been cut out. Like, I don't care. And you should have <laughs> given that to the three top students we're going to focus on and let it be their story and then see how yeah. she kind of bridges whatever. Like, she can still help them solve their problems, but why are we, if we have a girl that, like, pregnant, that came out of the blue. You know, $200 jacket. Yeah. All this stuff came out of the blue. So, one, get rid of Michelle Pfeiffer altogether. Like, get rid of her. Put a black or brown person in that position. Clearly define what grade they're in. Clearly define this academy program. Clearly define what's going on with this school. Is it a bad school? Is it a good school? What? And then if we're going to address this is the bad class, everything you said, Jordan, figure out why is this, why are y'all bad? Are you Mm -hmm. left behind? Y'all look grown, but are you like (laughs) sophomores who should actually be graduating this year? Like, I feel like nothing of substance about the students was made clear and everything about this divorce, this abuse, this military background, all that. We didn't need all that. That was unnecessary. There were no real stakes in the movie. None at all. No real stakes. No, no, none at all. And And Michelle did not get out of her comfort zone. She, there's nothing that she did that she didn't already have or didn't already have access to. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you you giving us Bob Dylan when you could have gave us Tupac, which means you would have had to work at trying mm-hmm. to figure out what Tupac songs work for them. You did not, yeah, you went to these people's houses, yeah, but like you easily breezed through speaking Spanish. You didn't have, like, why do you know Spanish so well? Why do you not <laughs> struggle yeah, at all? That? You know what I'm saying? And then you, you get to his house and you're like, oh, your son is a great student where his parents are like, we're going to beat the shit out of this brown boy. Glixon <laughs> white lady, we're going to fuck him up. It was like, she should have been eliminated altogether. And, yeah, oh, no, go, no, ahead. go ahead. No, no, no. no I mean, ahead, that's ahead. pretty much it. Just eliminate her altogether and more clearly define what is going on with the students. I feel like that's where they really dropped the ball. I didn't know what grade they were in. I didn't know if this was their only class because there were no, there was never anything like, well, you're doing good in history, but you barely making it in this random yeah. humanities random, course that I teach. Yeah. Also, where did she get her emergency certificate? Because she does, she's not a teacher. And uh, for all yeah. the backstory we got, there was never like, oh, did you you turned in that form to get your emergency certificate, right? Sure. Yeah. No. No. And, Making Courtney B. Vance the villain, like because he told that, <laughs> that boy to knock on the door. Though. I hate it, but Courtney was like, fuck them kids. Look, I, <laughs> he I really just, was, though. Uh, he hated he really them. Was like, fuck them. He kids. hated them. Yeah. Yeah. I just so. well, I'll say this, I'll say this quickly before I throw it to you, Cameron, because an interesting point is according to Johnson, when she was on set, uh Callie Brooklyn Harris mm-hmm. uh asked mm-hmm. her pretty much point blank, why is it that whenever these movies are made, it's a white person lifting up these poor little Negroes. And Johnson responded to her that I wrote the book and I have to be white, basically. And that Hollywood at the time wasn't embracing these stories with black female protagonists. Um, Mm. So it was kind of a both, both, both hands responsive like well it's my book i'm white so like deal with it but mm-hmm. also like i guess they really aren't representing you and <laughs> in media she, yeah, anyway. she, answered, she answered it straight up you know but yeah i think you know they they even the students on the set were thinking about wait why is this woman white woman yeah. here like why is this happening what's going on mm-hmm. here yeah what's uh, going on here what do you think how would you change this movie um 
so what I was gonna say, well, what I was gonna say earlier was, is, is another reference to another movie, uh, mm. another actually another like satire of this situation, but not necessarily. I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with the movie uh, Hamlet Two. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, for those who don't know, it's a very funny comedy uh, about a teacher in like Arizona somewhere, and he's a drama teacher, and he's got to teach a class of like. Similarly, Latino like rapscallions <laughs> about like theater, and he's got his own uh, issues going on, and also like his own agenda going on. So he writes a sequel to Hamlet for those kids to put on as like the school play. It's very egregious and foul <laughs> and hilarious. But one of the twists in that movie is that the Emilio in that case. Uh, gets expelled from school and or gets sent home for a day mm-hmm. and so the teacher goes to the home and expects to go to like the crack house expects to yeah. go to like you know east la or something like that going you know like a terrible neighborhood mm-hmm. and he ends up in like a mansion the guy <laughs> his father is well the, no the both parents are like educators and lecturers mm-hmm. yeah so he's and, and the kid's already brilliant on the side but he expected that that kid would be mm. a problem and a mess. What I'm getting at is this movie has been parodied smarter than huh. the actual movie yeah. is. High School High and Hamlet 2 do a better job of exploding the whole teacher myth yeah. than this movie actually does because this movie just presents it as such. Yeah, right? she, she's this just great. Movie, she she's great. Yeah. She can't she can't get any better. Yeah. Where really there's no exploration of these characters. Why are these characters so bad? What's wrong with the educational system? Is it is the movie actually trying to tell me that the principals like a Courtney B. Vance in this situation are just like just trying to get through the school year, mm-hmm. just trying to deal with the, you know, like they got the budget that they got, so they gotta do what they gotta do. There's no explanation for any of it. There's no explanation yeah. for anybody's motives. There's no stakes for any of this. So if I want to see this movie from a POC lens, I want to see like kids who are actually, yeah, sure, they might be in the academy program, quote unquote, mm-hmm. or they might be in this tough class. But why do they want to learn? Are they inspired? Yeah. I want to learn their stories. I want to know their stories. I don't yeah. really kind of care about like, a, even though she's a Marine or even though she changed careers or whatever, I don't really care about a white lady who thought Bob Dylan was cool. Therefore, she taught a bunch of kids who would never <laughs> listen to Bob Dylan about that. Like, fam, if I'm being for real, I listened to Bob Dylan, like, when I was in my 20s. Couldn't have cared less. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to drop the mic on that because Bob Dylan sucks. Boom. Oh, my setting. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, my my mom is a huge Bob Dylan fan, so I, I've got a lot of Bob Dylan like in my brain. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Bob I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that to you. You have to take I'm it back. I'm just saying that Bob, like Bob Dylan, is cool, but as a way to reach kids who probably have no like Bob Dylan is something that you can uh, kind of bounce off of later, as it's like mm-hmm. we're we're talking about songwriting, we're talking about poetry, like yeah, let's explore sure. some yeah. other like ways to do that but as like the in like the way to immediately get their attention 
probably not the route I would go, right? Like, yeah. Just, a, just a, aside. Or anyone. And yeah. Does, does his personal life even mirror any of those kids' lives? Like, mm, to even, like, yeah. like, well, he had it hard, too. You know, his yeah. mom was a single mom. Like, just Bob Dylan for the sake of Bob Dylan? Right. That's really what the movie presents. Yeah. Well, so so this is this is how I would have liked to see this approached because that was one of the things that was kind of going through my mind, right? It's like, okay, there are black writers and Latino writers and Latina writers who are like actually speaking to the living situation that these kids mm-hmm. are going through, like in present day, like not even just dead and gone, yeah. you know, black and brown people, but like people who are actually alive at that time who could say yeah i know what you're going through i can i'm articulating what you're feeling and what you're seeing and how you're living in my work so like let's look at that and break that down and kind of go through what speaks and what resonates to you right so even that kind of rang false because it's like why would you not even go all the way back to that but if you're really trying to reach them like meet them where they are and what meet them is in gonna, the middle yeah what's going to mm. speak to them specifically um yeah, the other thing I wanted to point out about that. <laughs> well, because the other thing I wanted to point out, too, is like the, the trope of these movies. Right. Is that, oh, man, like it's got to be terrible to go to these kinds of schools when in reality, like white kids ain't fighting at private school, like white kids right. aren't getting pregnant at Catholic school. I mean... white, kids, white kids aren't selling drugs. Mm-hmm. We know that. I, mean... know that. <laughs> I went to the school where the white kids were fucking up. Yes. They were they were doing all kinds of things. The difference is that mom or dad, you know, they know somebody on the school board. They're tight with somebody who's donating money. And maybe mm-hmm. we just look the other way and don't talk about this anymore. Right. So uh, back yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let that sit. Let that marinate. <laughs> that shit is real. I went to school with you. Yeah. yeah. Back back to remaking this movie. Like for me, I really want to see stories about these kids, right? And so what I came to is probably not like the most intuitive thing in terms <laughs> of it being like the 22 short films about Springfield, which is based on the <laughs> the uh 20 the 32 short films about Glenn Gold. Uh, but like the idea of just a day in the life of these kids right and we Mm. you know follow one kid into the school and kind of get a bit of what they're going through and then another kid exits and we start Mm. following them and seeing what's going on with them and you know just getting different glimpses because i think the other thing that these movies never talk about and never show is that there is multitudes there are like very much so many experiences that go into kids that go to these kinds of schools they're never just one kid they're never just one broad stereotype they're Mm -hmm. doing a lot of things some kids do come from single parent households some kids have two very well-to-do middle-class parents some kids Mm -hmm. are are dealing with you know being queer which you Mm -hmm. know at this time wasn't a thing that was not talking about was queer (laughs) that nigga was queer (laughs) i could definitely see it yeah Raul was definitely queer. That boy sure. was by paying something. He was. I could see it <laughs> again at the time. He was paying whatever. <laughs> at the time, that's the thing that you know. The, oh, we can't explore that on film. We can't really talk mm-hmm. about that. But that's definitely a reality for a lot of kids who are mm-hmm. coming into their own and uh, you know figuring out their own sexual orientation. You have oh, those are real issues, not like yeah. borrowing a jacket from my drug dealer <laughs> for two hundred dollars. Yeah, yo, some bullshit. 
Well, you can have you can have kids who are yes, like I do want to aspire to this really great thing. I want to be a writer. I want to be a doctor. I want to be, you know, a scientist. And then this other kid who's just like, I just like shooting the shit. I'm just here. I'm just going to roast this kid. That's my story. It's like just how I, I roast people every day, you know, and just, you get just the real ins and outs and all the subtleties and things that get lost in these movies where these kids are more than the sum of the parts of the movie, but when you really break it down, yes, you know, the kids get pregnant, kids, you know, have struggles with drugs mm. and gangs and other things like that, but it's never just the straightforward, like, you know how the story ends, right? Like there's, yeah. there's a lot more twists and turns to it and a lot more nuance to it. So yeah. even when you think about like a lot of the great figures and people in black history, like James Baldwin came from the hood. Like he mm-hmm. came from, you know, straight out of Harlem, like, mm-hmm. you know, little Richard, even when you think about um, Sammy Davis Jr., right? Sammy mm. Davis Jr. is from the hood. People don't realize yeah. that and they yeah. don't think yeah. about that. But like he is black as hell. Right. <laughs> and like you wouldn't know it looking at him in the Rat Pack and, you know, the way that people were clowning on him. But like he was not he, he was with the shits and like he mm. came from that place. So like you can find kids who come from all kinds of backgrounds end up being all kinds of people who may come from under you know privileged neighborhoods and underprivileged schools but to just think oh yeah like here's the broad baseline stereotype these kids are kind of your typical you know mexican essays and these kids are your you know your baby mamas and these kids are your you know your your, the black kids who rap and break dance and like we're gonna have them all in the same class it's just kind of like that's their personality all right oh yeah you know like i'd rather have something like that almost like a jim jarmusch-esque like let's just let these scenes build and linger and really mm-hmm. follow these kids around and kind of yeah. get a deeper look into their lives in school out of school but you know just like a day in the life of a kid that goes to this this high school yeah i agree i, I want to watch that movie jordan that sounds, yeah that sounds well really you know we'll, we'll we'll make it we'll figure it out yeah. <laughs> um let's dive into our caucasity meter here because this movie <laughs> is doing a lot and we got to figure out where it's going to land on our ranking uh for those who are familiar with the show we have a three-tier ranking for our capacity the bottom level being shorts in the winter which basically is like why why are you doing this this is a choice that you're making not affecting me not hurting me i don't know why you chose to do this you should probably stop for your own good but like you know it's it's the least offensive right then you have this movie is touching my hair which is pretty self-explanatory but now you're in my space you are doing harm to me you are touching me i wish you would stop you need to take a step back uh (laughs) because we have now crossed the line right Mm -hmm. and then the ultimate is taylor swift's cover of september which is like now we have a real problem. You've done fucked up violence. You're choosing violence. <laughs> You're choosing violence. You you yeah. knowingly you knew what this was. You took something that <laughs> meant something to black people. You fucked it up. It turned it into something that we can't even listen to, like without thinking of this shit. So, congrats to you, I guess, for being the whitest. But please stop. Uh, Full stop. Like never do that again. 
Stop, we'll stop. Um, so Rain is our guest. We'll let you get first crack at it. What what would you rank this movie? D all of the above. No, um, <laughs> I'm going to go with uh Taylor Swift uh September, singer September. It's there nobody was better off. Nobody but <laughs> Michelle, Selena Kyle, Pfeiffer johnson mm. <laughs> she was the one that was better off how's yeah. cough didn't get fixed emilio's dead raul still <laughs> i don't know in the ninth grade homegirl callie still you know That's having that baby grade. like nobody was better off but her so it's yeah it's it's, it's september yep uh cameron uh <laughs> i i don't think this movie is actually going that hard because i don't think this movie is smart enough to go that hard Hmm. So I I have to say this movie's like touching my hair. Like it's like, whoa, hey man, don't 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 call us baby mamas and essays. Like I mean, yeah. you don't know shit about us. Yeah. But also like this movie came and went, and like the only thing we really remember from it is like your vest suit that you wore that one yeah. day in class and Gangster Paradise, and, well, which you shoved down my throat four times. That movie. was what I was gonna say. The lasting legacy of this film is Coolio's Gangster Paradise, Paradise. Yeah. and specifically right. the video with Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm-hmm. Um, minute after minute, hour after hour. <laughs> uh, I think for me, I kind of, I, I agree with Rain in the sense that it does seemingly touch every single level, right? Like it, 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 see, yeah. it kind of has a little bit of that, like, okay, I wouldn't make the choice to to even the premise of this movie, right? Like, sure, mm-hmm. you know, we have a lot of these, so you're going to add another one. But then it kind of escalates into, okay, now we're, we're, we're crossing the threshold here where she, she, she's speechifying these kids. We're getting, you know, these broad stereotypes and like these real dumb plot mechanics with Raul and some of these other characters. And then we go, we just really cross the line full Emilio's gonna die these kids yeah, are gonna die for this movie that's so whack like yeah yo we didn't even get to my see my man lived a full life <laughs> you said we didn't even get the scene like yeah like if we're gonna have this guns a blazing glorious death like right right not that yeah. we need to see the that violence but that, that's what I was thinking of actually yeah, like, yeah we didn't get the Ricky moment uh, other other like administrator pulls her out of the classroom and like you get kind of like the pseudo like you can kind of hear what they're saying but not really hear what they're saying and then she comes back in just like Emilio's dead you know which was uh, like <laughs> no preparation <laughs> yeah right <laughs> it's like hey your boyfriend's and, uh, gone yeah, like, gone. Just, yeah right. <laughs> she really came in the classroom like and she's waiting for it too the girl she's like oh no yeah. no Maya like yeah 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 Latina Maya yeah Latina Maya. Oh wow! I mean, that's not. Tell me that didn't look like Maya. Yeah, that's Maya. She was Maya with like no braces. Yeah, never had braces. Yeah, for sure. Um, But uh, yeah, yeah, it 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 does too much because it it is. That's why it's been parodied to death, right? It is the <laughs> ultimate white yeah. savior yes. trope. It like it it takes all the tropes. It does them in the laziest way, mm-hmm. and. It is refreshing to know that critics weren't buying it at the time, but people did love this movie. Again, I will reiterate, on Amazon, it has five stars. It has all the stars. A lot of those reviews are just like, great movie, love this movie, you know, uh, love Michelle Pfeiffer, a lot of love for Michelle Pfeiffer. Yes. You know, when you go to some of these other, I mean, people are throwing around stuff like it's inspirational. 
Luann no. Johnson does like she's got a weird feeling about it because at once she's like this movie is not a factual representation of my life and what I did mm-hmm. but at the same time she does say that people come up to her and say this movie made me want to teach this movie you know made me believe in myself etc mm-hmm. x y and z fall back I'm not gonna <laughs> Say that's cat, but I'm gonna say that you know I Captain okay. Bro. At least it's net back. Right. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Cause fam, that's bro. Something's going on. I don't know. I don't know. But you know, maybe maybe those people who are trying to teach are these Teach for America people who that's come exactly. in and then you know yeah, they get yeah. sent to these schools and they're just like I'm gonna I'm gonna put on my leather jacket, do some karate. Yes. Let's yeah, let's get into it for yep. a year for I move. Yeah. Movies that you would suggest instead of watching Dangerous Minds. For me, the movie that came to mind immediately was Cooley High. That's on my list. Yeah, yeah. it's it's not yes. an entirely a high school movie. Like they don't spend the whole movie in the high school, but no. they it is about high they school. Spent a kids. majority of that movie in the hood. Like You're right. we're in the hood for a lot of that movie. Oh, fashions, though it's like, love that. Yeah. Love that. That's my dad's I mean, favorite. That was my dad's favorite movie. That and like Sounder yeah. was my dad's favorite movie. It's it's a movie that does a great job of just exploring black youth and like what it's like to be a kid, you know, in in high school and kind of you know they're getting ready to get out for the summertime. A lot of goals, a lot of ambitions, and just kind of how things can go at any given moment, you know, like growing mm-hmm. up in those environments. Um, it's a movie that I really enjoy and the soundtrack again is fire like it's it's another yeah. fire, oh, fire yeah. soundtrack um Absolutely. so that's that's one and then another movie that i was thinking about was to sir with love which is the sydney portier almost inversion mm-hmm. of this movie where he's the yeah. black teacher going to the white british school and like teaching these kids about just like you know he's he's the good teacher that pulls these like rapscallion white kids up uh and and (laughs) shows them what to do it's it's smaltzy it's all the things that these movies are but it kind of is one of the originals of these Mm. of this genre and it's Sidney Poitier and he's doing Sidney Poitier things he's killing it he kills it in that movie Rain what do you think was there a movie that you would suggest oh several uh The Great Debaters uh Cooley High Sister Act Mm-hmm. Um, high School Musical, and I mean that with every fabric <laughs> of my being, you would do better watching High School Musical than this. Sure. Um, also, School Days, and it took me a minute. I was like, okay, this is college. It's kind of around the same time, but I think for um, for all of like the political stuff in School Days, mm-hmm. in addition to the um, what is it, McDonald's scene with Samuel yeah, Jackson with yep. the townies oh, versus yeah, yeah. the kids in school. So that was like for me, it was like, okay, I think this is worth a watch and stand and deliver and then i got like insecure like season one (laughs) (laughs) we got y'all but we got y'all yeah that's that's my list cameron what about you i highly agree with all of the movies before we 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 we, uh referenced here (laughs) yeah um, I think my only one that i would add is honestly high school high yeah, it's like the, it's like the uh, the um, extracurricular activities. Yeah, watch that, and and I would say I would throw Hamlet two in there too, just in terms of like yeah. you know another version parody of this movie. 
Um, Hamlet Two is a little like uh, <laughs> it's it, it, it's so weird. You, yeah. you really have to be ready for the weird. Okay. Yeah. One. It is a satire, but it is like so weird. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I saw I saw a grown man's balls in that movie. <laughs> oh no! Not, not by choice. Uh, All right. So, you know. Well, on that note, Rain, I would like to thank you <laughs> so much for coming Yo, to our, our lovely show here. No, um, thank you. Thank you, man. Yeah, we really appreciate having you. This was and great. Thank you for coming through. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, before we get out of here, please plug, plug, plug. Tell everybody where they can uh, find you, where they can listen yes. to yourself. Yes, yes, yes. Please do. Twitter, Carefree Blur. Most immediate way to get in touch with me. Email carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. Wherever you get your podcast stuff, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Player FM, whatever, I don't know, iHeartRadio, yeah, I yeah. think, I don't know, just type in Carefree Black Nerd, and if you see Rain Coleman or any, like, wacky-ass title, that's me, so. <laughs> okay. So. For sure. Cameron, tell everybody what you're up to, where they can find you. Internet, yep. Twitter, Instagram, The Blipster, yep. 1138, you know what it do. C- content baby content <laughs> yeah out here um out here. <laughs> uh, and i'm jordan clark you can find me on twitter instagram at jr sosa 18 jr sosa 18 doing stuff writing things working on projects obviously doing this podcast uh if you want to get in touch with us you can reach us at twitter at white underscore pod we're on there you can write to us tell us your thoughts on dangerous minds and other films that we've covered you can reach us at uh white people won't save you pod at gmail.com please do all the things you do with your podcast rate us uh review us subscribe to us tell your friends about us still trying to grow this thing so you know everything counts we appreciate you but yeah that's gonna do yeah, it for this sure. episode you know an- another one down <laughs> We'll be back <laughs> next week with more of this this caucasity and, and trying to, to figure it out. But thanks everybody for listening. Peace. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't want to be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. You can't save us. We don't wanna be saved. <laughs>